Chapter 1 All Things Are Ready Come by Charles H. Spurgeon A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper-time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. The servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. Come, for all things are now ready. This invitation was first of all made to the Jews, but it seems to me to be especially appropriate to ourselves. It is later in the day than when the Lord was first here, and therefore the supper time is evidently closer at hand. The shadows lengthen, and the sun of the present age is nearing its setting. Since the Lord first sent forth His servants at supper-time, its day has been shortened by nearly two thousand years. The fullness of time for the marriage supper of the Lamb must quickly arrive. If all things could be said to be ready even in our Savior's day, we may say it with still greater emphasis now. For when Jesus delivered this parable, the Holy Spirit was not yet poured out on men. Now, however, Pentecost has passed, and the Spirit of God abides with us to accompany the Word, to fill it with power and bless our souls as we feed upon the truth. Very certainly, then, at this time all things are now ready, and the supper awaits the guests. I ask you not to begin to make excuses, but to be prepared to follow us when we call you to come to go with us when we seek to bring you in, or, at least, to yield to our pleadings when, with all the sacred intensity of love, we would compel you to come in. Invitation and Argument There are two things clearly in the text, and these have a close relation to one another. There's a plain invitation, come, and then a forcible argument, for all things are ready. The argument is brought from the divine preparations, gathered from among the excellent food of the royal feast. Scripture My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Matthew 22, verse 4 Come to the supper. The readiness of everything on God's part is the reason why people should come and partake of His grace. That is the point upon which we will dwell at this time. The readiness of the Feast of Mercy is the reason why people should come to it at once. 
God is never late. It is God's desire to have all things ready, whether for His guests or His creatures. You never find Him to be behind or late in anything. When the guests come, there is not a scramble to get the table arranged and the food prepared, but the Lord has great forethought, and every little point of detail is well arranged. All things are now ready. It was so in creation. God did not create a single blade of grass upon the face of the earth until the soil and the atmosphere had been prepared for it, and until the beneficent sun had learned to look down upon the earth. Imagine vegetation without a sun or without the changing of day and night. However, the air was full of light, the firmament upheld the clouds, and the dry land appeared from out of the sea. And then all things were ready for herb and plant and tree. Nor did God prepare one single creature that has life, nor bird that flies in the midst of the sky, nor fish that swims the seas, nor beast that moves on the dry land, until he had prepared its habitat and made ready its appointed food. There were no cattle before there were meadows for their grazing, no birds until there were trees for their nests, and not even a creeping insect until its portion of food had been provided. No creature had to hungrily wait while its food was growing. All things were ready, first for vegetation, and then afterward for animal life. As for Adam, when God came to make him as his last and noblest work of creation, all things were ready. The garden was laid out upon the banks of flowing streams, and it was planted with all kinds of trees. The fruits were ripe for his nourishment, and the flowers were in bloom for his delight. He did not come to an unfurnished house, but he entered upon a home that his father had made pleasant and delightful for his dwelling. The world was first made ready, and then the man who was to govern that world was placed in it. All things are ready, the Lord seems to say. Spring up, O herb-yielding seed, all things are ready. Come forth, you deer of the fields, all things are ready. Come forth, O man, made in my own image. God's thoughts go before man's comings. The fact that all things are ready in the great gospel supper teaches us that God's thoughts go before men's arrival. Come, for all things are now ready. He did not say, If you come, all things will be ready, but they are ready. Therefore come. Grace is first, and man at his best follows its footsteps. Long before we ever thought of God, he thought of us. Yes, before we had a being and before time itself began, in the heart of the Eternal there were thoughts of love toward those for whom the table of His mercy is now spread. He had planned and arranged everything in His majestic mind from of old. He had indeed foreknown and predestined all the provisions and all the guests of His supper. All things were settled in His eternal covenant and purpose before the earth ever was. Never think, O oh sinner, that you can outdo the love of God. It is at the end of the race before you are at the beginning. 
God has completed before you have begun. His thoughts are before ours, and so are his acts. For he does not say all things are planned and arranged, but all things are now ready. Jesus, the great sacrifice, is slain. The fountain for our cleansing is filled with blood. The Holy Spirit has been given. The word by which we are to be instructed is in our hands. The light that will illuminate that sacred page is promised to us through the Holy Spirit. Things promised should encourage us to come to Christ, but things already given should be irresistible attractions. All things are already completed by the sacred trinity before we come to cry for mercy. This should make us very hopeful and eager as we approach the Lord. Come, sinner, come at once. This should encourage you, since all that God has to do in your salvation has already been done before you had one thought of Him or turned one foot in His direction. All are welcome. Things are ready. Come. This also proves how welcome those are who come. If you are invited to see a friend and when you reach the place, you find the door closed and locked, and after knocking many times, no one answers because there is no one at home. You suppose that there has been some mistake or that the invitation was not a sincere one. Even if your host would come to the door and let you in, but would clearly be embarrassed because there is no meal provided and he has made no arrangements for your rest at night, you soon realize it, and like a wise man, you quickly leave. For if you had been welcome, things would have been prepared for you. But, oh, poor soul, if you come to God, all things are ready for your delight. Spread for thee the festal board with his richest dainties stored. The couch of rest and quietness is prepared for you. All things are ready. How freely Jehovah welcomes you. How genuine is the invitation. How sincere is the desire that you would come to feast with him. I go to prepare a place for you. One of these days it may be that you and I will either have grown very old or else disease will lay hold upon us, and we will lie upon the sickbed watching and waiting for our master's coming. Then there will suddenly appear a messenger from him who will bring us this word. All things are ready. Come to the supper. Then, closing our eyes on earth, we will open them in heaven and see what he has done, who so graciously said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14, verses 2 through 3. It will be a joyous moment when we will hear the call, All things are ready. Leave your house of clay, your farm, your merchandise, and even her who lies in your arms, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and you must be there. Therefore rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the time of the singing of birds is come for you. Song of Solomon 2, verses 10-12 through 12. All things are ready. Come.
The perfect readiness of the feast of divine mercy is evidently intended to be a strong argument with sinners why they should come at once. Therefore I now address myself to the sinner. Soul, do you desire eternal life? Is there within your spirit a hungering and a thirsting after such things that may satisfy your spirit and make you live forever? Then listen while the master's servant gives you the invitation. Come, for all things are now ready. All, not some, but all. There is nothing that you can need between here and heaven that is not provided in Jesus Christ, in his person and in his work. All things are ready. Life for your death, forgiveness for your sin, cleansing for your filth, clothing for your nakedness, joy for your sorrow, and strength for your weakness. Yes, more than all that you can ever need is stored up in the boundless nature and work of Christ. You must not say, I cannot come because I do not have this, or do not have that. Are you to prepare the feast? Are you to provide anything? Do you need to supply even so much as the salt or the water? You do not know your true condition, or you would not dream of such a thing. The great householder himself has provided everything needed for the feast. You have nothing to do with providing it, but are to simply partake of it. If you lack, come and take what you lack. The greater your need, the greater reason why you should come where all things that you can possibly need will be at once supplied. If you are so needy that you have nothing good at all about you, all things are ready. What would you provide more when God has provided all things? It would be superfluity of naughtiness, James 1, verse 21. If you were to think of adding to his all things, you would be presumptuously competing with the provisions of the great king, and this he will not tolerate. All that you need, I can only repeat the words, between the gates of hell where you now lie and the gates of heaven, to which grace will bring you if you believe. All is provided and prepared in Jesus Christ the Savior. Ready. All things are now ready. Dwell on that word, ready. The oxen and the fatlings were killed. What is more, they were prepared to be eaten. They were ready to be feasted on, and they were ready on the table. It is something when the king gives orders for the slaughter of so many bullocks for the feast, but the feast is not ready then. And when the animals are slaughtered, and they are stripped and hung up ready for the fire, there is something done, but they are not ready. When the meat is served, hot and steaming upon the table, and all that is wanted is brought forth and laid in proper order for the banquet, it is then that all things are ready. And this is the case now. At this very moment, you will find the feast to be in the best possible condition. It was never better, and never can be better than it is now. All things are ready and are in the exact condition that you need them to be. They are in just such a condition that will be best for your soul's comfort and enjoyment. All things are ready. Nothing needs to be further developed or sweetened 
Everything is at the best that eternal love can make it. Now. Notice the word now. All things are now ready. They are ready right now, at this moment. As you know, at feasts, the good housewife is often troubled if the guests come late. She would be sorry if they came half an hour too soon, but half an hour too late spoils everything. In what a state of frustration and worry she is if, when all things are now ready, her friends have still not arrived. If the food is left in the oven a while longer, it does not seem to be now ready, but is more than ready, and even spoiled. So the great householder emphasizes that all things are now ready, therefore come at once. He does not say that if you will wait another seven years, all things will then be ready. God desires that you, long before that space of time, may have got beyond the needs of persuasion by having become a taster of the feast. Instead, he does say that all things are already, right now. Right now, when your heart is so heavy, your mind is so careless, and your spirit is so wandering, all things are ready now, even though you have never thought of these things before. Even though your sins are as many as the stars of heaven, and your soul trembles under a dreadful foreboding of coming judgment, yet all things are now ready. If they are ready now, then the argument is for you to come now while the Spirit lingers and still strives with people, while mercy's gates still stand wide open so that whosoever will may come. Revelation 22, verse 17. While life and health and reason are still spared to you, and while the ministering voice that urges you to come can still be heard, come now, come at once, now that all things are ready, delay is as unreasonable as it is wicked. Reader, if you do not come to Christ, you will perish. But you never will be able to say that you were not called to come. You do not need to wait until you are ready. This text gets rid of a great deal of talk about the sinner's readiness or unreadiness, because if the reason why a sinner is to come is because all things are ready, then it is useless for him to say, But I am not ready. It is clear that all the readiness required on man's part is a willingness to come and receive the blessing that God has provided. Where the Lord has been pleased to touch the will so that man has a desire toward Christ, where the heart really hungers and thirsts after righteousness, that is all the readiness needed. All the preparation he requires is that, one, you feel your need of him, and he gives you that and that in feeling your need of him, too, you are willing to come to him. Willingness to come is everything. A readiness to believe in Jesus, a willingness to cast your soul on him, and a preparedness to accept him just as he is, because you feel that he is just the Savior that you need, that is all. There is no other readiness needed and there could have been none in the case of those who were poor and blind and halt and maimed, Luke 14, verse 21, yet who came to the feast. The text does not say, You are ready, therefore come. That is a legal way of putting the gospel. 
Instead, it says, all things are now ready. The gospel is ready. Therefore, you are to come. Why do you delay? Now notice that the unreadiness of those who were called arose because of their possessions and their duties. One person would not come because he had bought a piece of land. What a large hill Satan mounds up between the soul and the Savior. With what worldly possessions and good deeds he builds an earthwork of huge dimensions between the sinner and his Lord. Some gentlemen have too many acres to ever come to Christ. They think too much of the world to think much of him. Many people have too many fields of good works in which they are growing crops in which they pride themselves, and these cause them to feel that they are people of great importance. Many people cannot come to Christ for all things because they have so much already. Others could not come because they had so much to do and could do it well. One man had bought five yoke of oxen, and he was going to test them. He was a strong man, quite able to plow, and the reason he did not come was because he had so much ability. Thousands of people are kept away from grace by what they have and by what they can do. Emptiness is a much better qualification for a feast than fullness. How often does it happen that poverty and inability even help to lead the soul to Christ? When a person thinks he is rich, he will not come to the Savior. When a person dreams that he is able to repent at any time and believe and to do everything for himself that is needed, he is not likely to come to Christ, and certainly not rest in Christ by simple faith. It is not what they do not have, but what they have that keeps many from Christ. Sinful self is a devil, but righteous self is seven devils. The person who feels himself guilty may be kept away by his guilt for a while, but the person who is self-righteous will never come. Until the Lord has taken his pride away from him, he will still refuse the feast of free grace. The possession of abilities and honors and riches keeps people from coming to the Redeemer. On the other hand, personal condition does not mean that one is unfit to come to Christ, for the sad condition of those who became guests did not exclude them from the supper. Some were poor and were undoubtedly wretched and ragged. They did not have a penny to bless themselves with, as we say. Their garments were tattered, perhaps worse. They were filthy and were not fit to be near respectable people. They would certainly be no credit to my Lord's table, but those who went to bring them in did not search their pockets or look at their coats, but they simply brought them in. They were poor, but the messengers were told to bring in the poor, and therefore they brought them. Their poverty did not prevent them from being ready. Oh, poor soul, if you are poor literally, or poor inherently, neither sort of poverty can cause you to be unfit for divine mercy. Another group of people were maimed. One had lost a nose, another had lost an arm. So, poor soul, no matter how Satan may have torn and cut you, and no matter into what condition he may have brought you so that you feel ashamed to live, you may come to the table of grace just as you are. Moral disfigurements are soon rectified, when Jesus takes you in hand.
come to Him, no matter how sadly you are disfigured by sin. There were others who were halt or lame. That is, their leg was of no use to them, and they could not come unless they had a crutch to lean upon. Nevertheless, there was no reason why they were not welcome. If you find it difficult to believe, it is no reason why you should not come and receive the marvelous pardon that Jesus Christ is ready to bestow upon you. If you are lame with doubting and mistrusting, nevertheless come and say, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Mark 9, verse 24. Others were blind, but a blind man can come if a messenger brings him. All that was needed was a willingness to be led by the hand in the right direction. You who cannot fully understand the gospel, who are puzzled and confused, give your hand to Jesus and be willing to be led by him. Be willing to believe what you cannot understand and to grasp in confidence that which you are not yet able to measure with your understanding. Here comes a poor man who has had nothing to eat for the last forty-eight hours. Look at his eager delight at the sight of the food. If you want somebody to eat heartily and joyfully, is not he the man? See how he takes it in. It is wonderful how the provisions disappear before him. Now here is a poor woman who has been picked up by the wayside, weak for lack of bread. She has hardly any life in her. But see how she begins to open her eyes at the first morsel that is placed before her. See what delight there is in her every expression as she finds herself placed at a table so richly loaded. Yes, the poorer, the more hungry, and the more destitute the guests, the more honor is due to the king who feeds such paupers and receives such vagrants to his table. Hear how they shout the king's praises when they are filled with his food. They will never be done thanking him. If I address a soul that is very needy, very weak, and very despairing, you are a proper guest for my master because you have such a fine appetite for his generous table of love. The greatness of your need is your suitableness for coming to Christ. And if you want to know how to come, just come as you are. Do not wait to improve yourself one single bit. Come as you are. How can I come to Christ? You say, I hear that if I come to Christ, I will be saved. But how can I come to Him? What do you mean by coming to Jesus? Well, our reply is plain and clear. It is to trust Christ, to depend upon Him, to believe Him, and to rely upon Him. You ask, but how can I come to Christ? In what way would you recommend me to come? The answer is, the very best way to come to Christ is to come with all your needs about you. Suppose a physician would come to town and let it be known that what he wants is not to make money, but to cure people out of motives of pure benevolence, without charging any fees, and that the poorest will be welcomed and the most diseased will be best received. Well, here is a person who has cut his finger. Will the doctor rush to take care of him? Here comes another free-of-charge patient who has a wart on his hand. There is nothing outstanding about curing cut fingers and warts, and the physician is by no means excited about the work. However, 
Here is a poor, hopeless body, who has been given up by all the other doctors, a patient who is so bad that he lies at death's door. He has such a complication of diseases that he could hardly tell what diseases he has not suffered from. But certainly his condition is terrible enough to make it appear hopeless. He seems to be a living wonder of disease. That is the man who may come boldly to the physician and expect his immediate attention and his best consideration. Now, doctor, if you can cure this man, he will be a credit to you. This man exactly answers your description of those whom you came to help. You say that you only want patients who will give you an opportunity to display your skill. Here is a fine object for your compassion. His lungs, heart, feet, eyes, ears, and head are all bad. He's bad all over. If you want an opportunity to show your skill, here is the man. Jesus, my Lord and Master, is the great physician of souls, and he heals them on just such terms as I have mentioned. Are you a weary sinner? Are you a deeply sin-sick soul? Are you a man or woman who is completely bad? Come along, my friend. You are just in the right condition to come to Jesus Christ. Come just as you are is the best way to come. What? someone says. Do you mean it that I, a hard-hearted, unrepentant wretch, am called to come at once and believe in Jesus Christ for everlasting life? Yes, I mean just that. I do not mean to send you around to that shop for repentance, and to that other shop for feeling, and to a third store for a tender heart, and then eventually direct you to call on Christ for a few odds and ends. No, no, but come to Christ for everything. Come, you needy. Come and welcome God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh without money, come to Jesus Christ and buy. I heard of a shop some time ago in a country town where they sold everything, and the man said that he did not believe that there was anything a human being wanted that he could not furnish him with from head to toe. Well, I do not know whether that promise would have been carried out to the letter if it had been tried, but I know it is so with Jesus Christ. He can supply you with all you need, for Christ is all. Colossians 3 verse 11 There is not a need your soul can possibly have that the Lord Jesus Christ cannot supply. And the very best way to come is to come to Him for everything. Trust Jesus Christ. That is all just as you are with all your inabilities and unreadiness. Take what God has made ready for you, the precious blood to cleanse you, a robe of righteousness to cover you, and eternal joy to be your portion. Receive the grace of God in Christ Jesus and receive it now. May God grant that you will, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.